I want to go to Genesis chapter 28. Uh, Jacob, does anybody know who Jacob is? He's the son of Isaac. And who is Isaac the son of? Abraham begat Isaac, who begat Jacob. And what was Jacob's name changed to? Israel. And it, he became a great nation. And even to this day, we see results from this event that happened so many years ago. And I want to show you that in this context, Jacob is sent away. God speaks to him to marry one of the daughters of Laban. And then he's coming back. And in verse 10 of chapter 28, um, he departed from Beersheba and he went to Haran. Now, this verse is powerful because he's going from one place and he's on his way to another. And um, there's a lot of stuff that can happen between point A and point B. You could read, I read a study about Jesus' ministry, and when he was on his way to Jericho, from point A to point B, uh, blind Bartimaeus yelled and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples said, hey, he's busy doing bigger things. He's on his way from point A to point B, and he's not at Jericho yet. And they didn't understand the value of the in-between times. We often don't. And in the in-between time, that's where a great miracle happened for, as far as blind Bartimaeus is concerned, the greatest Bible, in the, Bible miracle in the New Testament for him, right? Because he had blind eyes and then his eyes were open. Jesus said, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do? He said, oh, that I'd receive my sight. And he said, be healed. Uh, Zacchaeus, Jesus was passing through town and a, a guy had to run through the crowd to climb a tree so he could see Jesus. He was so hungry for God. And um, Jesus got a prophetic surge, a word of knowledge or something, and he looked up at him and he said, Zacchaeus, today I need to have lunch at your house. Set up a business lunch with the guy, the businessman of a spurious background, and he, he, you don't know what the conversation was, but you know the content of it and the re result of it. He, he came out and Zacchaeus made restitution for all of his bad business decisions and misbehavior and ill treatment of others and paid back where he had ripped people off. And, and it was an indication of a new life. He had had an encounter with Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus, and it was between point A and point B. And there are others, too. Uh, the, the Syrophoenician woman, Jesus was on a rest period, and he was called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and she was a Gentile. And her daughter was grievously vexed by a demon. And being a good mom, she saw that Jesus had power and was making life changes for people and healing. So she said, hey, can you help my daughter? And he said, look, I'm actually called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, that's going to spill out later, basically, is what he's saying. And so he was being diligent with his calling. And she was being diligent to use her faith. And he said, the bread is for the children. And she said, but even the dogs under the table get the crumbs. And he said, you have great faith. And the daughter was delivered. So even in an inopportune time, does that, are you hearing where I'm coming from? That, 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 so he's going from Beersheba to Haran, and the sun sets. And he it later says he didn't even see what was going on. So this is not a magical story. This is just a day in the life. This is sunrise, sunset, and a guy's in the, the, the work-a-day life, and circumstances are just sort of not that illustrious. And yet here God is in the midst of it. And he, he, he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. <laughs> so 
This was before down pillows and things like that. He had a dream. He had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Who has ever heard the story of Jacob's ladder? Let me see your hands. How many of you grew up in Sunday school and you saw drawings of this? How many of you have ever seen a painting of Jacob's ladder? I have. How many of you have thought about how fantastic this is, how great this would have been for him? That he saw a ladder from heaven coming to earth and he saw angels ascending and descending on it. Pretty cool, huh? It shows the spiritual world. He had a spiritual dream. Behold, the Lord stood above it. This to me is my favorite part because this shows personal assurance that this in fact is of God. He said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac and the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. And I love this verse because this is in fact what we're doing today. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, now the God of Jacob and then the descendants and then in the Psalms, it says that God is our God. And this is where we get so spiritually enriched as Christians. When we look at Old Testament stories or we read the Bible and the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, First and Second Corinthians, Romans, and so forth, because we see God functioning and we see God's activity during Babylonian captivity for Daniel, during the Roman Empire for Paul and for Jesus, through the seasons of life in the in-between Beersheba and Haran, when you just kind of, well, I, why did he lay down? Because the sun set. Why did he grab a rock? Because they didn't have famous bar and he couldn't go buy a down pillow. So he says, you and your descendants are going to possess this land. Now, I've had the privilege, my first missionary trip, I went with who would become my wife, Patsy. Uh, and a number of people to witness in the 30th anniversary of Israel's independence in 1978. There was a population of 3 million. The dispersed were starting to come back from 1948. It had become a nation. President Harry Truman uh, saw what had happened in the Holocaust, and he was, I believe, moved by the Holy Spirit. Our president from Missouri moved by the Holy Spirit to show respect. He said, I can't stand what happened to the Jewish people through the World War II and they, they must be respected and honored. And I believe God moved on that. And so there were three million people. And then we saw perestroika and glasnost, and we saw God move on interesting moments. A former B um, movie star Hollywood guy became a president and a, and, a, and a leader of Russia with a birthmark on his forehead. Got, they got together and caused the melting of the Cold War and the dissolving of the Berlin Wall and of the Iron Curtain that was the phrase was coined by then Prime Minister uh, Winston Churchill. I think it was after he was Prime Minister up in, in Fulton, Missouri. That phrase was coined about 100 miles north of here and it was like a permanent impenetrable wall. My brother can tell you that Eric Honecker in East Germany was particularly proud of its atheistic resistance to the Bible. They used to use mirrors under trains when they would come from the west to the east, and it was a harsh, harsh place. And also Albania was proud to say we are the pure atheistic state, and when I heard that as a young person and I began to pray, God put and affixed the Albanian people in my heart, people I never even knew about. And I prayed 
I suppose it was similar to Reinhard Bonnke when he had the dream of Africa covered in the, washed in the blood of Jesus, and how he went from basically average missionary results to a dream that became supernatural. This dream, there's power in a dream. Dr. King had a dream prior to him saying his speech about, I want my kids to live in a world that doesn't base the value of people on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Right before that, John Lewis, great, elegant man. He made a statement. He just passed, and we've lost somebody there. He spoke right before Dr. King's dream speech. He had a dream, too. He was in Selma. He had to deal with social inadequacies. One of his Christian uh, young people said, that guy did it all with love. He didn't do it with violence. He had a cancer diagnosis, pancreatic cancer diagnosis. And he made this comment, this great, elegant man. Man, I've had dreams and I've had fights and I've fought through most of my life. And he said, I fought, this is the hardest fight I've ever fought. And sadly, he lost his fight. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All the payoff of being a Christian. It transcends politics. It transcends leadership. It transcends position. It transcends material. It transcends all this stuff that we are told are some things that are so important. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. And here we are in this great moment. We're seeing something being added to Jacob. He's having, he's going from one place to another place, minding his own business, endeavoring to cooperate with God. He's a descendant of some fantastic people, but he's in the crosshairs of destiny. He doesn't even know it. He, he's in this moment where he has this dream and God speaks to him. And then he, it says, through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. We were, as young people, pre-marriage. We got married a month later. We saw three million people. We went to the Hebrew University, and we saw the great festivities, the celebration of their 30th year of independence, much like a really wholesome 4th of July for us, only even more appreciative. And then now... We just got to go again, and so many decades later, the population has swelled from 3 million to 9 million. And if you remember, in the early 90s, the aircraft filled with displaced Jewish people returning back to the homeland. In our lifetime, we're watching the, with fascination the fulfillment of God's promise in his covenant-keeping promises. And when he's faithful, when you watch this faithfulness here, it will really build your faith. I walk by people who have been through multiple surgeries. I just saw a lady who has had to overcome terrible cancer battle and the fear that goes with it, and the whole family for that matter. And they just look like the epitome of health. And I, I, and I told one lady, I said, you're like an all-terrain vehicle. And she went, well, it is what it is. But she's fought through so much without self-pity. She's been through so much pain. And to God be the glory. There are people here who have lost loved ones recently. There are people here who have lost their job. And yet, what do we have? We have a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We have the assurance that God can and will turn things around for good. And we have a high, high, high quotient of biblical hope and Bible faith. And we walk in love and we trust God and we're believing that we're going to see the salvation of the Lord in our lifetime. Come on, come on. There's a time and a place for everything. 
and a time for every event under heaven. There's an appointed time. Last week, I brought forth a word, a Greek word, kairos. It appears 86 times in the New Testament. It's different from chronology. Chronos is one of the words used for time in the Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. It's a more specific term for time. It's the fullness of the times. It's the appointed time. We're in one of these time frames. This was the case for Jacob. This is the case when Jesus came on the scene, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, in the fullness of the times, Christ died for the ungodly. Teach us to number our days, Lord. Help us to be adept and sensitive to know your timing, to understand what you're saying. There need to be a people called by his name who are hungry and thirsty for more of him, who pursue love but desire earnestly spiritual gifts, especially that they may prophesy and that they will dream dreams and see visions and they will cooperate with heaven and they will believe for these kinds of things in their lifetime. Like David said, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And this was a, a specific place. This was a specific time. This was a specific person. And to God be the glory. We can draw a lot of encouragement from this because that God is our God. He is faithful to a thousand generations. He's not only faithful to the Jewish people, his chosen people, but it's spilled over now to all the non-Jews. And he has a great work for the church. The Bible says in Corinthians not to give offense to the Jews or to the nations or to the church. So humanity is divided into three categories from God's point of view. The Jewish people and the specifics that God has called and mandated for them. The nations, God has key things planned for the nations. The church, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, don't offend the Jews, don't offend the nations, and don't offend the church, which means don't be a jerk to anybody, walk in love. And as we walk in love and as we walk in the rhythm of heaven, as we get our senses trained to discern good and evil and get our ear to the ground and say, what are you saying, Heavenly Father? What is your word saying through this? You set up a ladder between you and this man. What have you done for me? Jesus left heaven and came to earth. He blasted a hole through the darkness. Uh, Frank Peretti years ago wrote a novel called uh, This Present Darkness or Piercing the Darkness. He wrote a number of sequels about it. And it was talking about the spiritual work Jesus has done. Jesus came in the fullness of the time. He came to die for the ungodly. And at the very beginning of his ministry, Three times, Matthew 3.16, Mark 1.10, and Luke 3.21, at Jesus' baptism, he saw the heavens open. Boy, when heaven opens up, interesting things transpire. Amen. It happened for Jacob, a ladder from heaven, angels ascending and descending. I'm going to do something with you in my interplay with the earth. The fallen world is about ready to be blessed by some amazing flow with God. And, and when Malachi prophesied about the tithe, uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, he said, now test me in this and see that I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you cannot contain. A lot of imagery about he heaven opening. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. 
whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works within you. You have something better than a ladder affixed into your life. You have the very presence of the Holy Spirit. You've got the word of God, a more sure word of prophecy. You've got the enablement of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, signifying that the holy God, judge of the universe, deemed humanity forgiven by the sacrifice of his son and his shed blood that empowers us and enables us and strengthens us, come what may, through high times and hard times, we are more than conquerors. Open heaven. Hallelujah. He says, I am with you, verse 15, and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. That For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I had a taxi drive, driver from the Ukraine who was a transplant from the Ukraine to Israel because he was Jewish. I had a tour guide from South Africa who then lived in Nigeria but then made his way to Israel. Guy Leibovitz was his name, beautiful man. I keep in touch with him. He and his wife, Natalie, and their children. They live in a kibbutz there in Jerusalem. And I watched these people from all these nations, all these nations, and I look at it with fascination as a person who was not born or raised Jewish, but yet watching the Lord do such wonderful things for this particular, these sets of promises. And then I go, God, I am in a new covenant, and the Bible says, inaugurated on better promises. All your promises are yes and amen. Jesus is the yes and amen. What a wonderful, great provision we have to have a Savior like Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that when we go to the Father on the basis of faith in his name, salvation comes. I just spoke to a girl who's so radically saved that I want to run to catch up with what she has. She's so on fire. She had tears in her eyes. She's a young Christian and she's on fire. She wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She asked if she could come tonight and be prayed for to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, go home and read Acts chapter 2. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I said, you will get this gift, but you'll have to do the speaking, and God will help you. And it's not gibberish. It's not baby talk. It's essential for a supernaturally effective, powerful prayer life. It will help you out so much. Hallelujah. There's a time and a place for everything, and he makes everything beautiful in his time. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In Daniel's day, there was a time and there was a season where things were unfolding to him that were so out there. The, these weeks that God was giving this Hebrew prophet in a terrible context of oppression in the Babylonian captivity and, and with all kinds of oppression, and seizure, their names were changed, their properties were seized, their diets were changed. They had so much imposition on them, it was so hard. You could cut the atmosphere with a knife. It was so thick with unbelief and weirdness and idolatry, and yet they thrived behind enemy lines. The early church thrived. The Roman Empire failed because it had no virtue and it fell. The kingdom of God had virtue. It had the presence of the Lord and it thrived, largely because signs and wonders accompanied to follow the preaching of the word. Miracles occurred. Signs and wonders took place. And God's consistently interested in causing these signs to follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
we shall see the salvation of the Lord in our lifetime. It's an amazing moment here for, for, for Jacob. It's an amazing moment. But look what he says here. Verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. God is moving on your life. You might not even know it. It might be at this point imperceptible. And in fact, this is what pre-revival feels like. This is what pre-harvest feels like. This is what breakthrough feels like. In Paul the Apostle's day, similar to Jacob, he told the Corinthians, he says, you know, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Ephesus is a specific place. Pentecost is a specific date. We just had Pentecost Sunday a few weeks ago online. <laughs> anyway, he said, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a great door of effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And, you know, again, quoting uh, John Lewis. Was he, he was a senator, right? Senator John Lewis. He said, I fought many battles. I fought many battles. And he did. He saw real change. He brought harmony and he brought blessing. I appreciate that. I think things should be acknowledged when they're right. Yet, he said, all through it, he had battles. I heard a great pastor say about a year and a half ago, whenever opportunity comes, there's often opposition. You know, a great door of effective service has opened to us, and there are many adversaries. Well, we've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this, basically, and we have been trained. And in fact, most of our lives have been on-the-job training. If you can hear this, listen. God didn't put that sickness on us to teach us things. God didn't do that. That just comes as a consequence of the fall of, of man, and this is a, a fallen world, okay? The, the levee broke because it rained, and the levee was made out of dirt, and it was overseen by people, and they didn't take care of it, and it broke. That's the way it, why it flooded. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard against him. So here we are, thankful to God. Here we are, still fighting the good fight of faith. Here we are, staggering not at the promises of God, but standing up to and trusting for God's will to be done. And with Paul, what he said is be on the alert, stand firm, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. That was his outline of what to do when you face an open door that no man can shut. He said, a great door of effective service. The word great is mega, where we get the word megas. You know, mega, big. All I know is big. I got saved in a movement. Uh, Ralph Wilkerson and Melody Land, these guys, Christians had a dream and they bought a beautiful, elegant place there in Orange County. And they started to preach out of that place. And they deployed mature and smart and godly believers with, equipped with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and I got in the crosshairs of one of the guys, a pastor. And he led me to the Lord, laid hands on me. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm pro a product of mega door opportunities and people being willing to obey and cooperate in that time. I am a recipient of people that prayed, people that preached, people that tithed and gave offerings, people that prophesied, people that didn't hold back or shrink back from what God had. And I am grateful to be here and I give all the credit to Jesus and I'm very thankful for that group of people. A lot of them are home with the Lord now. And I feel responsible to carry on because of their faithfulness. 
I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. I see a door no man can shut. I see favor surrounding us as a shield. I see Jacob's ladder and angels ascending and descending. I see God up on the other side saying, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you till these things come to pass. And I see in the Bible, the prophetic eschatology, end time dynamic. He's coming back to a couple of things, a glorious church without spot or blemish. And when he returns, he will find faith in the earth. He's not done with us yet. There seems to me, in my Bible interpretation, there to be a great harvest of souls. There should be and must be a great influx. There's just not enough salvations right now. We've got to believe for people to be snatched from the flames. We've got to believe for souls to be saved. We're not those wringing our hands. Come, Lord Jesus, let's get out of here. Evacuation, escapism. I am really excited about the second coming of Jesus. I firmly believe in a rapture of the church. I am ecstatic about that. But I want to see souls saved. I've, we've got to see souls saved. We've got to trust God would let a ladder shoot down, let a Jacob lay on the stone and put his head on there and get him thinking along the lines of Abraham begat Isaac who begat Jacob and don't let this thing just be for your grandpa. Don't let this thing just be for your dad. Take hold of this. Take ownership on this young Jacob. Get married and give in marriage and have your family and build and grow. I'm going to make you a great nation. I've been blessed. I'm the product of a, what would be called a revival. And yet it's nothing compared to what God wants to do now. God has great plans. God has great plans. And we can see here, he said, that God was in this place and I didn't even know it. Verse 17, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba, Father. I love that song. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. You know, heaven's open to Jacob. Heaven's open to you and me. We have an open heaven. We can draw near to the Father. The Bible says draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Isn't that fantastic? Amen. We take it for granted. I'm restating the obvious to you, but this, in fact, is the best, most precious possession you and I have. Our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and this wonderful provision of the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher. God the Father sent his son Jesus. Jesus died, was buried, rose again, had Mary announce his resurrection. They ran to the tomb. He wasn't there. He was risen, just as he said. And then he spoke to them, many, revealed by many infallible proofs, spoke to them. And then in the book of Acts, they were all saying, God, what are, is this the time and the season and the epochs? And are you going you gonna to put a whooping on Rome? And are you going to reestablish everything? And he said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, but you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Here we are 2,000 years later as the model prototype of the book of Acts and the early church and all the amazingness of what happened to the Ephesians and the Corinthians and the Romans and so forth, Galatians, Philippians, all that, Thessalonians, all those guys. And we look at that model 
and we go, that God is our God. We look at what happened with Jacob. That God is our God. We see what God is doing, bringing Jewish people away from places like the Ukraine and places that were previously oppressed and giving them a homeland. Fascinating, God. We look at our youth culture of millennials and we see the potential of the fruit of the earth and how a young generation, a youth culture can rise up and take all the value of all of its history and all the presence and power of what God's done in the church and funnel it all in and downpour it and outpour it into all these young people. Young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams on the handmaidens and the bond servants will pour out his spirit. And as realistically as God put a ladder down there to let Jacob know, hey, I'm here with you. He could understand a ladder. He could understand. And there's like a portal that's open, a window. Open up the windows of heaven. When, listen, this happened in the book of Acts. They were praying. There was consternation. There was societal upheaval. There was persecution. They felt they, their savior had died at the, at brutally at the hands of the Romans, killed. And so they're, they're stunned. They've had enjoyed three years with him, watching the miracles, watching crowds gather to where he had to get in a boat to get out on the water because they were pushing and pressing through the crowd and watching the centurion servant be healed and watching uh, the leprosy come off of people and watching lives be revolutionized, watching uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Elitus like uh, Nicodemus experiencing God, though it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. They did. Women were being elevated because there's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Kids were experiencing Jesus. He said, don't stop them. Don't forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. It was so inclusive. They were not marginalized. And in the early church, God opened up a heaven, a rushing mighty wind. Uh, God, they were praying. And again, the heavens opened and there was an outpouring and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they went out into the streets and there were people from Pontus and people from Arabia and people from uh, Cappadocia and all these other places, several different parts of the world that didn't speak Hebrew, that didn't speak Aramaic, that didn't speak Koine Greek, didn't speak Galilean, uh, but they could all hear the gospel in their own language. The first expression of the effect of the day of Pentecost was enrichment and empowerment and enablement for people to articulate the good news. This is a gospel moment right now. The main category one message is Jesus. The message of the gospel is the imperative for this hour. It transcends any other voicing, any other societal issue, any other social need. Jesus must be preached. Jesus must be acknowledged. Jesus must be focused on. If you've then been risen with Christ, don't stop here. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things that are of the earth. This is personal revival time for us. We've been through some interesting things, all of us, all over the world. Dreton just told me that they can't, they started church and now they have to have just eat church again. So he's just doing his best and praying and we're praying for him. He's praying for us. It's not just America. It's not just party politics. Not just, it's just all over the world. And so here we are, such is life. 
And if we're going to run to any opinion, if we're going to have any conjecture, if we're going to reach any conclusions, let's get right here at the base of this ladder where God showed up and said to a man while he was asleep between Beersheba and Haran, I have something planned for you, for your people. I have something planned for you and for your descendants. This is more important than anything you're facing right now. Get your eyes lifted up. Pray like you've never prayed. Serve like you've never served. Trust God like you've never trusted God before. Listen, here, if you want to write down the practical points of this message, because I'm getting ready to finish. Number one, hang out under the spout where the glory comes out. Hang out under the spout where the glory comes out. Get in close fellowship with God. Pray in the Spirit. Spend time in the Bible. Minister to the Lord. Let Him know you love Him. Plow past the callous. Plow past the vagueness. Plow past the ambiguity of your a previously lukewarm position and receive what God has for you. Number two, pursue love. Desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Walk in love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love never fails. This is what God's been speaking to me for us, for our church, for our time. This is so important. This has been going over and over in my head. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, of the calling for which you were called. He said, Paul said, therefore, Ephesians 4.1, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Verse 2, with all humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance. Humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You are anointed. Stay anointable. Don't repel any of what God is about to pour out on you. Forgive everybody. Be quick to repent. Keep a humble heart. God loves it when we don't live sloppy. Stay tender before the Lord. Stay yielded to Him. If you find yourself murmuring, ask God to forgive you. If you find yourself judging people, put away the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. Let God deal with you. Be, just verbally repent. If you start going down that track, say, I'm sorry, I repent, Lord. And keep a humble spirit. We're in an atmosphere, atmospherically, a, a ladder from heaven, an open door, a portal has opened up over us. God is about to do something in this specific geography. He did something between Beersheba and Haran. He's doing things all over the world to God be the glory. But this house, this is what he said. He said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Listen, we are the church, members in particular. But in the Bible, there were churches, and he spoke to the church that was at Thyatira, the church at Philadelphia. There was a church at Pergamum. There was a church at Sardis. There was a church of Ephesus. And this is St. Louis Family Church. So now I'm going to get specific. God got specific with Jacob, and it was this place that he named Bethel. He said, Jacob arose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on its top, and he called the name of that place Bethel. He turned his pillow into a pillar and made it a memorial. He said, this is, I'm going to enshrine this here. God spoke to me at this specific point in time and gave me a dream. He said, however, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Things change when God shows up. It changes a place. And Jacob 
made a vow saying, this is where this dedication comes in. If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey, I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear. And I return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a 10th to you. So he immediately says, God, I'm going to tithe in this context. I'm going to give where my treasure is. There will my heart be also. I want to finance this thing. I want my life purpose to mean something in this. I value this and I want this to come to pass. I, I want to see your purposes come to pass for Israel and for the nation, for the Jewish people. But then salvation, John 4, comes through the Jews. So then salvation comes to the Jew first. The gospel is the power of God to the Jew first and then also to the non-Jew. This is holy. The nations have been blessed. We were once not a people have now become the people of God. In this great moment we're in, hear the word of the Lord. God is bringing things together. He broke down the dividing wall. He has brought, this is where division breaks and the enemy's trying to build division right now and we have got to do our best to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace with all humility, gentleness, patience, and tolerance for one another in love. Watch the words of your mouth. Watch the attitude of your th thoughts. Watch the biases. Watch the conjecture. Watch when the devil tries to warp you and pull you into a, a different gravitational pull. Make sure the gravitational pull toward God's word and toward heaven is the primary. Keep seeking God. Keep praying. Hang out under the spout where the glory comes out. Seek, pursue love, and desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Listen, I sat down out on the rocks here outside this door and when you, at the end of the service, go out there and go and enjoy the little waterfall. And this young lady came. She married a husband who was a believer. She was a brand new Christian. She, he's running to catch up with her now. She is on fire for God. God healed her of infertility and gave her a baby. It's a miracle. What the, more, more so looking in the, her face, her young face, and seeing the tears of joy and fervency for God. I was just minding my own business. I have my little mask on, you know. I'm out there, I look like a cowboy, you know. Howdy, y'all. Trying to do my thing, you know. Socially distanced and stuff. And she, so she, we actually distanced those rocks out there. Just like he had a rock, a stone, we put these rocks out here. It's kind of prophetic. We spread these rocks all around so you can be socially distanced while you're sitting on a rock. Come on, this is a prophetic place. She was on the rock under there by the pine trees. I was over across the little walkway looking at the water and I look at the little waters all gurgling and it's so awesome. And But yet what was more wonderful was looking at her beaming face, her spiritual hunger, her desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit and get all that God has for her. She says, I can't stop reading books and reading my Bible and listening to down podcasts and downloads and I'm hungry for God. Jacob got up and said, God was in this place. I didn't even know it. We've been so Listen, focus was the message of the beginning of the year. Have we not been challenged about our focus? Yeah. Haven't you noticed, tell me, a few distractions? <laughs> Unlike some things in the last hundred years. But we were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. And because we've received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, we have solid footing. Yes, we do. Say this with me. I can do this thing. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
We can. Yeah. And there's an amen over there, and there's a yes over here, and there's a nod over there. Why? Because we actually know whom we believe. And we are confident that he'll keep us until that day. And that he watches over his word to perform it. And that, in fact, he has a plan. And what the enemy means for harm, God will work together for good. And so we've got to see to it that no one deceives us. We've got to be careful what we listen to. For by our standard of measure, it'll be measured to us and more will be given besides. And it's my job as a pastor to make sure we, you, us, don't get tossed to and fro by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men, cunning craftiness, and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. So here's what I want to conclude with. We've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Jacob's ladder was wonderful. I don't envy it because I have something even better. I have a covenant with God and a spirit of adoption from his son, Jesus Christ. And I have been given the gift of his precious Holy Spirit. And I have all the Old and New Testament at my disposal. And I have the church that I live in. And I have the function and the interplay of us. Iron sharpens iron. We're living epistles. We're lively stones. We're jointly held together. We're, we're, we're offering up a fragrant aroma sacrifice to God. The, the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. God is not needy, but God has built a situation of inclusion with his people where he insists upon our uh, involvement. He calls us joint heirs with Jesus. He calls us co-laborers with him. So in very fact, you are the hands and feet and body of Christ. And as the head is signaling things to us right now, not just through a little hole with a ladder with angels up and down, but with a supernatural uh, endowment of the Holy Spirit, uh, we just have to avoid all blessing blockers. Let's lay aside the weights, the encumbrances, the sin that so easily besets us, and let's run with endurance the race set before us. And now we pray, we believe, we receive.